you're tuned in to the Tin Roof Farm Radio Show, a podcast from Greenville, South Carolina, on all things food, beverage, locally roasted coffee, and craft beer. I'm John Malik, the lesser half of Greenville's best-loved chef couple, John and Amy Malik, and we're broadcasting from our Tin Roof Farm in Piedmont, South Carolina. Thank you for listening, and welcome to the show. Today's guest on the show is the culinary team behind uh, Greenville's newest restaurant, El Thrifty. And uh, I'm really excited about this restaurant. Uh, we've been a couple times, and it's wonderful. Uh, the day that Robert and his executive chef, Justin, came out to visit us, uh, we spent about 20 minutes um, out back with all the animals. And, and golly, it was so cold that day. <laughs> and we all, so we came into the studio, we had some hot coffee, and we're all sniffling. <laughs> So I've done my best to edit out the sniffles. Um, but Robert made some great points about the cuisine of Mexico and also about farming and with respect to farming, with respect to prices that we pay when we go out to dine at a restaurant that touts itself as um, local or farm to table. So take note of that if you're a farmer or a consumer. Um, you know, the, the, that is some backbreaking work. My wife and I uh, garden about a tenth of an acre, and right now we've got a little bit of stuff in there, uh, uh, winter uh, crops, but it is backbreaking work, and it is, it's dirty work, and you have to get out there and do it daily. So when you pay for those carrots, or when you pay for that meal, uh, a place like El Thrifty or GB&D or Sobeys and their they're letting you know how much of the product they're buying locally. The price you pay for that is the price for your farmer to get out there six months out of the year and uh, bust his butt in the hot summer sun. So keep that in mind when you're dining. Thank you very much for joining us today. So let's get on to the interview with Robert and Justin. Welcome to the Tin Roof Farm Radio Show, Robert Berry and Justin Surwitz of L Thrifty. <laughs> Creative force behind L Thrifty. It's the latest restaurant to open in Greenville, South Carolina. And I'm not one to get excited about a new restaurant. I'd rather give uh, somebody time to flesh out their challenges and streamline their processes before telling my friends and family how wonderful a particular restaurant is. Uh, my wife and I have dined there this past weekend, and I know Robert's past work in Charleston, so I have no problem telling everybody how great this place is. Robert, thank you very much for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me, John. I really and appreciate it. You bet. And you have brought your chef with you? Yep, my executive chef, Justin Servix, who worked with me previously in Charleston, South Carolina, and he loved the look of Greenville, so here he is. Justin, thank you so much for coming out. Yeah, thank you so much. Another time on the farm. Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm glad you got to uh, meet my goats. <laughs> Absolutely. And we had we had one of them start to faint, but he didn't he uh he was able to shake it off. We, we couldn't make him nervous enough. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. Robert was a chef owner of one of the most intriguing restaurants that uh my wife and I ate at in Charleston. Uh it's called Pensito and Lefty. Uh, and it was on uh, Upper King Street. Upper King, right. Yeah, right next to Leon's. Right next to Leon's and Little Jack's Tavern. Yep. 
And Leon's one of one of the greatest restaurants on planet Earth. Yeah, I think. it's a great, great concept. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not sure Robert knows. My mom actually grew up in Mexico. She grew up in Durango. Her parents were cattle ranchers. And when we were little kids, we used to go vacation there, go see grandma and grandpa on the, on the ranch. Later, they moved back to Texas. And so that's where my mother learned how to cook was in central Mexico. And so you know the flavors. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, <clears throat> my gosh, that, and she was the one that gave me my love of, uh, of cooking and cuisine. And it's tough. I tell you what, it's tough growing up in South Louisiana where, <laughs> where your mom was always like that weird Mexican cook. <laughs> yeah. That's right. You know, where everybody else's, is, everybody else's mothers were making gumbos and etouffees and, and that sort of thing. Um, back to y'all. So, Robert, I'm familiar with you. I know some background about you. Justin, introduce us, please. Tell us about life in Charleston and 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 a little bit on your background. Well, I've been cooking for professionally for over ten years. I worked in some amazing kitchens in Raleigh, North Carolina, and then moved to Charleston for the opportunity to be on the um, opening team uh, of the Ordinary. Yeah, the Ordinary for Mike. Yeah, so Mike Lotta, you know, the owner and chef, also Fig, very talented right. guy. And I have to also give a big credit to my chef there, Jeff Ryan, who was a, definitely an inspiration and a mentor, a very talented chef. Being in Charleston, you know, kind of searching for the, my passion of the style of food I wanted to cook. I was able to um, open Monero and get oh, back yeah. to Mexican cooking. For and Sean. Right. Yes, absolutely. For opening for, for Sean Brock and, you know, really expanding on, um, using masa, nixtamalizing, using a stone grinder, you know, everything from scratch and, and really getting involved with, you know, heirloom varieties of beans and a lot y'all, of Y'all used a stone chilies. grinder at, at, um, yes. Monero? Yes. Really? Yes. We had a team of, um, really talented tortilla, um, people that come in every morning and do fresh grind of masa. For the day, and it was an everyday thing. So, wow, yeah. yeah. You should explain the process of nixtamalization. It was pretty interesting. Right, yeah. So, I mean, we were getting some interesting varieties, uh, Jimmy Red Corn and some other hominy that was local to Charleston. And um, you basically would take that and you lime it, rub the uh, skins off. Then you're able to, uh, the next day, grind that masa through a stone grinder that was came from Mexico, um, and with that, you make tortilla dough, tamale dough, or whatever you want to do with it. Which is pretty much the bread of Mexico. Sure, yeah. It's the staple of life. Yeah, yeah, Even exactly. Even before the Spaniards came. Yep. They like to keep it really clean and simple. A lot of the traditional, they don't even add salt, so it's really highlighting the masa. Yeah. So let's back up a little bit, and uh, for the uninitiated, uh, tell us what hominy is. So hominy is... The ancient dried corn, the original um, strain of corn. Mm-hmm. It's corn, be- corn before they controlled it to a certain size and, and kind of s- what we see here in this country. Right. It's, it's more of a, it's like more of a free form corn, larger kernels. It can yep. be uh, very irregular. Uh, a lot of different flavors. Some of it can be sweet. Some of it can be pretty uh, more savory. Okay. And then it's typically, we know it as Southerners, we typically find it in a can uh, on the shelf of the bilo. That's right. Uh, but in uh, Mexico, you you would more likely see it dried, and then you would reconstitute it. 
but in order to turn it into masa, it has to be limed. Mm-hmm. So tell us exactly what that is, because you're not doing that with lime juice. <laughs> right. Well, I, lime, so you lime the hominy, I think it's, it's calcium hydroxide. So that basically bring the water up to boil the, the lime and then soak the um, hominy in there so it helps loosen the skins. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're able to throw in the colander and rinse and kind of you have to really do some uh, handwork and, and rub the skins off and it takes a while to get it right. And it's, it's definitely a labor, but, you know, the result is a really beautiful product. So, so, so the deal with the lime is once the skin comes off, then the human body can digest it and take all the nutrients out of it. And and before the Spaniards came, there wasn't a lot of meat. It was pretty much turkey. Um, and, and they didn't eat, you know, that's just not everywhere. You don't go get a turkey sandwich whenever you get hungry. You have to find your nutrients from corn and other things. So it's a, it's a vegetarian cuisine. And, and the corn was kind of the staple of life for uh, the Aztecs and Chapultecs. So when you were out earlier, when you were looking at my turkeys, what were you thinking about? Uh, I was thinking <laughs> that I didn't have breakfast. <laughs> All right, so Robert, why El Thrifty? Oh, the name. Yeah, I mean, why not? Reed Reed Olson, uh, my partner and um, maker of all this possible, uh, we we had looked at some buildings here, there, and everywhere before we settled on um, where we are now on the Swamp Rabbit Trail. Mm -hmm. One of the buildings was was the Thrifty Hardware, and it was... uh, it was well known in the community for the place to get every single thing you need. It's one of those beautiful old hardware stores that has just packed, and you can always find what you need. Unlike the stores of today, um, where well, you can find what you don't need. Yeah, you can find what you don't need. The L, obviously, we kind of Mexicanized it for fun, um, and then we, you know, we kind of started kicking around the idea: what does what does what does thrifty mean to someone who's not aware of what we saw? Um, and the concept, when it's complete. Uh, will be coffee in the morning, a workspace, meeting space. You can go into lunch. You can go into happy hour. Um, you can have a corporate event. You can have a private event, a birthday party, things like this. Um, dinner. You can meet someone for a drink at the bar. Uh, there's a big game room on the lawn and on the uh, one of the interior sides. Uh, so you're pretty much being thrifty with your time is what we came up with. Um, gotcha. Okay. Looking at the whole thing. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Personally, I'm not going to do any work over there. When I go over there, I'm going to come to eat and (laughs) and have and have a few beers. Uh, Any um, uh, right now? Do you have any Mexican beer or Mexican wine on the menu? Yeah, we have a couple of Mexican beers. um, Some of the typical Pacifica, um, Modelo, um, and the wine. I tried to do that in Charleston at Pancito and Lefty and. You know, you tell someone, hey, I got this great Mexican wine. There's not a lot of response. Mm-hmm. But in fact, uh, in the in the Valle de Guadalupe, which is the northern part of Baja, right. which is actually the southern part of California, sure. there's excellent wine. There is. And the yeah. land is cheap, and the European winemakers would come over and see this climate and say, this is wine country. But just getting the stigma of Mexican wine, is it's a real challenge to get people to kind of bridge that gap. So, Yeah. We were in, uh, my wife and I were in Akamal, uh, earlier this year, at the beginning of the year, my birthday actually in January, um, and near, near Tulum. And we had beautiful, yeah. uh, Merlots and cabs and, yeah. um, all uh, from, yeah. Just, we, 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 we started importing it through California for Pancito because I was, thought it was going to be the greatest thing that ever came. 
Um, another one of my great ideas. <laughs> it might, the wine still might be there <laughs> if I didn't drink it myself. Right. Ten, uh, ten ideas, ten great ideas. That's one of right. them. Oh, Maybe yeah. one flies if you're lucky. <laughs> Maybe one flies. <laughs> so, Robert, why why do you have this love of Mexican cuisine? Uh, I, I worked in Europe, and then I, I came back and and started working in Washington D.C. and New York for years and years, and all my kitchen help pretty much exclusively was uh, Mexican. And that being the case, here in New York City, you spend, you know, 15 hours a day with uh, your, your cooks and your kitchen staff. And the more I saw, the more I liked, so I started speaking their language, and they started trusting me and feeding me, and I started exploring their food a little bit. And, uh, and I took some trips down to Mexico, and it, it just it blew me away how diverse uh, Mexico is. Um, it's... It's a huge country, and there's lots of immigrants, and they've brought their techniques and stuff, and uh, the Mexicans adopted to that. And, mm-hmm. and there's the, the flavors are unlimited. It's a yeah. different technique as well. So it became another thing that just to tackle and learn, and um, I enjoy the food, obviously, and the drink and the, and the people. Where have you been in Mexico? Uh, most recently, Oaxaca has become kind of my favorite. Um, uh, Todos Santos on the Baja Peninsula is amazing. I'm... I'm Looking to do that in January again. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a small artist uh, commune. Uh, Mexico City is like New York City with a Spanish twist. You can find anything and everything. 25 million people can't be wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we went to Guadalajara a few years ago and explored uh, tequila country. I, I, I took a lot of my bar staff down there just for education so when they are behind the bar they can really explain things they, sure they, they understand the process and i think that's so important uh with something with these agave based spirits which we sell and enjoy um if you if you don't know what it is nobody wants to buy it right and, and it's right. a real really beautiful thing so our attack is with with education so if you come in you can hear something about it you can learn um and and most likely you'll enjoy it uh, but if it's mysterious you might shy away mm-hmm and then, now, Justin, you've, uh, were you saying earlier that you've been to Mexico? Yes, um, I've been to a few parts of Mexico. I've been to Baja, California, down near Cabo. I've been to Mexico City. And um, where I spent the most time and really um, was able to, you know, incorporate myself into the town and really explore was around Huatulco, which is in the southern part of Mexico on the Pacific side. Um, really beautiful, amazing area. Um, the village there... Is actually has some hurricane damage and a lot of it is gone, but I was able to um, be there before that happened and have that opportunity. Just amazing, beautiful climate, amazing food, nice people, and just really a place that is, you know, dear in my heart. And I would, I would love to be able to get down to that area again soon. When we were in uh, Tulum, or excuse me, we stayed in Acamal, but Tulum is less than an hour south. And this is all on, on the Caribbean coast, uh, Yucatan Peninsula. Which is gorgeous. If you ever and you know Cancun right now is getting a bad rap because of some of the the violence in the in the inner city. Right. Right. Right now the prices to travel to Cancun. Now I'm not I'm not a one to advocate. Hey, let's go to Cancun and have a you know tequila infused weekend where we don't where we don't remember anything. Which is that's where the I'm not a fan of that sort of travel or that sort of lifestyle. Whatever. But if you go south of Cancun uh, on the peninsula, those resorts uh, up and down the coast right now are suffering 
because of this, because the State Department would say, oh, don't travel to Cancun. My God, when was, when was the last time you looked at the murder rate in Chicago, you know? <laughs> I mean, are you serious? Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> what I love about Mexico and what my mom, I can remember my mom telling me when I was five, you know, the first time I went to Mexico, she said, to to Mexic to a Mexican, hospitality is an art. It's everything. It is exactly. It is everything. It means everything. And you go to you go to that part of Mexico, and the people are just they're so accommodating. You don't see these silly darn tip jars sticking out everywhere. Yeah, no you know. Way. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's part of their culture to to be right. kind and like offer something to be um, welcoming to to yeah yeah, yeah exactly. And, and you find that in some of the some of these uh, areas that aren't maybe as wealthy as the United States where it's like that's you're entitled almost these these people will find it like if you give something to them they give something to you and it's, it's a beautiful thing lots, yeah. lots of smiles um, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing group of people I think the best day down there was either maybe spending the day in Tulum and then we also saw the uh, with the Chichen Itza the, saw the Mayan ruins which was just spectacular I mean a thousand years ago this is a thriving uh, culture that traded with other cultures from across the Caribbean and mm-hmm. and um, the whole thing was just was just fascinating and wonderful. All right, enough about Mexico. So um, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about now. All right, let's talk about El Thrifty. So tell us exactly where it is. Uh, Twenty five Delano Drive, which is the first stop on the Swamp Rabbit Trail coming from downtown. Uh, I, it's, it's square in the middle of the new Unity Park, uh, for all the green billions who, who understand this. When I first saw it, I was like, you know, where are we? Um, and then, then I looked on a map and I was like, wow, we're, we're right in the middle of downtown. Uh, yeah. A stone's throw with, with, with loads of parking, which, you know, some, some downtown. Loads of what? Lo- free parking. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and having not spent enough, you know, as much time up here in the beginning, I was like, I don't know. But but now I, I love the location. You don't see a parking lot when you're looking out the window of Thrifty. You see, yeah. you see the Reedy River. You see trees. Right. I mean, I, I love it. In the spring and fall, and, yes. and somewhat in the summer, I mean, that is um, Grand Central Station. Yep. You know? the, the Swamp Rabbit Trail is an amazing thing. You yeah. Pe- people on there all day long. Um, we have bike racks we're going to put um, for, for the cyclists to come by, which we had a lot on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Come fill your water bottle. Maybe you can fill it full of margaritas. Um, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> now, now you're a cyclist, right? I'm a cyclist. Justin, I ride my own bikes, so I'm happy to be here to have the trails. And yeah, yeah, some <laughs> elevation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. Green, Greenville's amazing. I, I used to do a lot of running as well. I'm going to try to get back into that on the, on yeah. the trails. Yeah, I'm a cyclist, right? Hardcore kind of kind of comes and goes. But what's yeah, cool about exactly. the Swamp Rabbit is is I have literally gotten on my bike downtown Greenville um, or the Gus Road area with a friend of mine and taken Swamp Rabbit out towards Traveler's Rest and cycled up to Tryon, North Carolina or Saluda and then turned around and come home. And home is yeah. right back downtown. How many cars did you see on that ride? Yeah. One, yeah, once yeah. you get once you get north of TR or outside of Marietta, <clears throat> you know, it's the, the roads are great. Cycling is great yeah. out there. And, and you do the ride all the way down to Charleston every spring, correct? The uh, Alzheimer's ride? Yeah, I probably won't do that. I probably won't do that next year. Right. You know, but I, I did that five years in a row. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, and this is not a cycling podcast, but <laughs> but that does give me an idea for yeah. the next podcast. <laughs> all right. So since so spending all this time, now you're not 
Have you moved to Greenville or? I haven't. Um, I, still know, living in Charleston. Yep. Yeah, and, and, and I've come to really enjoy it and kind of integrate it in the community. Um, make a lot of friends. So where, where I used to kind of say, you know, uh, I'm going to go home. I'm like, I call my wife and I say, yeah, I'm going to need to be up here for a couple more days, which, which obviously I do. Um, she was born here. She has loads of friends here, so she comes up now. I, I think it's great. Um, I'm going to mm-hmm. try to split my time between Charleston and here. Yeah. I, I really have. Green, Greenville has been the most welcoming city ever, I think, for me. Mm-hmm. Everybody's nice. Everybody helps me. It's 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 pretty Well, not pretty everybody's awesome. nice. I know there's a couple people out there. I'll, after the show's over. Yeah, we'll have, <laughs> have to get the list out. <laughs> and, Justin, what about you? Now, you're, you've moved into town, yes, I would I've hope. Yes, I've moved up to town. Um, been here about two months. You're uh, living at 25 Delano? Right <laughs> no, pretty 20. much, yeah. I camp out there sometimes. <laughs> but no, I live downtown, so really a five-minute drive from work, um, really central to everything. I've walked to work. I've rode my bike to work. Um, it's just it's a great location. Everything's very convenient here and central. And I don't have to deal with the traffic and the long rides back and forth from work. So it's, it's a really peaceful place, and um, really I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this summer, uh, I got back in touch with Justin because I needed some help recipe developing um, in a test kitchen down in Charleston. And we, as we went along, I just realized, you know, how passionate he is about this this type of cuisine. I was like, let's take a ride to Greenville, check it out, keep me company on the ride, and came up here. And, and I was like, okay, I think he likes it. Looking at him, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to ask him to be the chef. <laughs> so here he is. <laughs> yes, definitely. I mean, it was. I've seen Greenville. I, I lived in North Carolina for years, so I've been to Greenville, and uh, you know it's great to see how it's changed and grown. You know, it was always a beautiful city, and um, you know the the growth is really yeah. starting to highlight. You know what they have here, the natural resources, and the, yep. the geography is very beautiful. The weather is awesome, so I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah, I'm coming to Charleston, right? Mm-hmm. Or let's say I, let's say I'm in Charleston. The three of us are in Charleston. We're down to our last. Twenty bucks. Oh man! Where are we going to go eat? Where are we going to go eat? I'm going to get very far. Yeah. <laughs> no, come on now, come That's on. Twenty bucks. Um, there's a couple of decent taco trucks out on uh, yeah. Dorchester and uh, out in out in North Charleston. Yeah. Is there a, is there a dive still anywhere near Colonial Lake or yeah. anything like you, that? You can go to my friend's uh, Boston at the Rec Room. It's right under the bridge when you get off uh, 26. Okay. Uh, it's been there for years, and it's kind of a local watering hole for cooks and restaurant people. And, right, um, right. Cheap beer, definitely. And in, in, in Boston, if you have a single problem in the industry, he's the guy to ask. He's kind of the godfather of the cooks and the, and the servers mm-hmm. and stuff. Very, very generous, kind man. Mm-hmm. Tattooed Moose, maybe? Tattooed Moose is great. Yeah. Um, um, you know, they've been on diners, drive-in, and oh, shows. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it, it can get crowded, but, it, right. but again... It's still reasonable compared to a lot of other places, and the food's delicious. It's all homemade. Yeah, um, yep, you, yeah. You can really get a, a belly full. All right, all right. Let's say we're going to Charleston now, the three of us, and you know I've just won the lottery, and I'm like, come on, I'm buying. Got a thousand bucks in my pocket. I want to burn up. That's it. You know, <laughs> two thousand, whatever. Where yeah. Oak Steakhouse? Where are we going to go? Where uh, money doesn't matter. I, I think Halls does it does a good Halls, job. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, they, they came up here. And, yeah, we've got one of those yeah, here. Yeah, we have. Yeah. <laughs> Steakhouse, um, that's, that's, that's more of something I do when my, my family's in town. Um, right. You know, steak and potatoes, parents. But uh, I think, obviously, Mike Lotta does a good job with The Ordinary. Um, 
There's a new place, Baba's on Cannon. Okay. Which is my particular favorite right now. Thousand bucks. So where are we going for dinner, the three of us? Uh, I would say, I mean, maybe I'm biased. I would say probably the Ocean Room. Just, I mean, if you wanted to go luxurious and get the best steak, yeah. or, you know, that's where I would go. Or maybe Charleston Grill. If you, you know, Michelle oh, yeah, super yeah. talented. Yeah. Can't go wrong there. The, the service there is amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. Fig's exceptional. You know, there's there's been two chefs that have been through there as James Beard Award winners. Not right. finals, all the stuff. They won the James Beard Award twice there. Right. It's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. And the wine program as well. I mean, it's, it's... You know, I hate to admit that I've never been to Fig. <clears throat> really? Yeah. It's it's hard, For one, it's, it's hard, hard to get hard into. To get in, yeah. They're only open, what, five nights a week? Tuesday through... I think it's six nights. Or six I, nights? I, I, I don't go often because, you know, I, I cook at home and do, I yeah. do other things. But but it is good when somebody comes to town, you can you can be sure that you can impress them. And I, and I met Mike, like, I don't know, probably 20 years ago before yeah, yeah. Fig I met, was open. I met Mike... I lived in Charleston in the 90s and then moved to Europe, and uh, he called and said he needed a place to stay in Paris where I was living, and, and we, hung, <laughs> we, we hung out for four or five days, and we got to kind of bond, so I've known Mike a long time. <laughs> uh, we, we don't stay too much in touch, but he's, he's like kind of an old friend. Back right, Charleston right. Charleston was different than what, what it is today. Yeah. My last job in Charleston, I was the exec sue at the Mills House Hotel. All right. And, geez, I loved working there. I loved And the only reason I took that job was the chef convinced me that he was moving to the Caribbean in six weeks, right? And, you know, 15 years later, that guy was still there. He's still there. He just, they, just got, he, they just got a really good review in the Post and Courier. Yeah, I read that. I yeah, read that. Pretty interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad these places like that are getting, uh, you know, some, some word out. We had a ghost. The, the Mills House had a ghost that lived on the fourth floor, and we actually had a first aid kit in the employee break room in case one of the... Housekeeper saw the ghost, oh. <laughs> and I had to use it one day. <laughs> but that's uh, that's for Halloween. That's uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, true story, man. True story. Yeah, there was only a few of us that had. You know, you had to be on the executive team to have to to, to to be briefed on the first aid kit for ghost sighting. Wow. <laughs> now let's talk about Greenville real quick. Uh, let's pretend Thrifty's not open or whatever. We got thirty thirty bucks between <clears throat> the three of us. Whatever. Where are we going to go eat? You're buying. You got thirty bucks. I was pretty happy to go to to discover La Unica, the grocery store on sure. Horse Road. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, it really. When you go inside, if you haven't been to Mexico City, it's it's pretty much like that. It's an yeah. extremely clean grocery store. You, you smell the dried chilies right right away. Yep. <clears throat> There's a little place you can get fresh juice, fresh yep. squeezed juice, which is just like Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little taqueria, yeah, agua, agua fresca. Yep. There's yep. a little taqueria in the back. There's a um, there's a there's a bakery. They make fresh tortillas. Um, it, it, you, you can and, and the butcher shop. If you want to cook for yourself is great, but yep. you know you can sit down for tacos and you're with um, the hardworking people of Greenville. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. it yeah, it's really pleasant. Yeah, Justin, what about you? you got thirty bucks. Going to feed feed all three of us. Um, let's see, I, I'm definitely I'm a fan of a of a good burger. Um, Golden Brown Delicious. That was an amazing. Sure, burger. Yeah. yeah. That was really a classic value. It was yeah. great there. So yeah, Alex is my my next guest too. As a matter of fact, nice, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I like everything he's I've doing. Known Alex for some time. He's he's a, he's a smart guy. Yeah, he is. Love, love love the flavors he's doing. Yep, absolutely. You know, if it was me, if it was my money, I would say let's go to Asada. I don't know if you've been there yet. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That one. Well, yeah, we we both have, and it's it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and great people. 
Yep. Uh, yeah, I agree. They are also future guests on the podcast. All right. All right. So now we got right, right now on. we've got a thousand bucks between the three of us. Get some uh, spouses involved. Whatever. Now where are we going? Uh, I would say. I mean, all's I. It was an amazing meal here. I, yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, bison steak was was yep. delicious. Yeah, I haven't really explored too much on that end. Usually, chefs go more of a right everyday right. spots, but right. I've had some great food at the Anchorage. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I go over there, and um, it, it's really nice. And you know, my one of my best friends is Jason Schultz of Stella's. Oh my gosh! Um, so that's always near and dear because I know that cuisine. We grew up cooking together, so talk about El Thrifty. <laughs> it's very familiar to me what he does, and, yep. and I love it. You know, if if you want to get it, if you want to get into the restaurant business, if you want to be successful <laughs> in the restaurant business, go work for Jason Schultz for a year. Yeah, you can learn to be thrifty. You can, you can, but that's that's the way to be successful. Though that's so many right. people, uh, yeah. it's it's a t- it's a very tough business, and you have to fight every day. Like frankly, um, my mentor and Jason's mentor taught us. It, yeah, it's, it's not a it's not a business of dollars. It's a business of nickels and nickels and dimes and, pe- and, and pennies and, and pennies, and you have to scrape yeah. each one. Yeah, and at the end of the day, hopefully they add up. It's it's a it's a yeah. tough road. Even if you're busy, even if you've got a 45 minute waiting list, even if you have more business than you know what to do with, yeah. you damn well better be pinching pennies you in the back. Take, you have you to have take to. care of each each thing. And each that's time. yeah. And I've done over a fair amount of consulting, and that's what people that fail. Yeah. So they either fail for two reasons: they get addicted to their own mediocrity, yeah. right? And they fail to change with the times, and so thereby, you know, you're, you're, you're yeah, you lose customers, and so or you you forget that this is a business of pennies. That's right. And when you when you forget that and start looking after your dollars instead of your pennies, and, and, and it's it's not can, getting better. I mean, I I understand, I understand that restaurant menus may seem expensive, even for on, on every level, for the sandwich places to the high end places. But you know what? That means the people selling us food are, are charging more and the, you know, delivery costs are higher. There's, there's so many factors that people don't understand. And, and even at nicer restaurants where we use farmers and, uh, you know, beekeepers and these kind of things, you know, they have their life and it's a t- very tough life. And what they charge, we don't question because yeah. they, they, we, we, we all kind of share in this thing. And if we all take care, then we can all do it and survive. But. Well, when you buy when you buy locally we're, we're, we're raised, we're not getting rich doing this. We're, yeah. we're, we're, this this brings us passion and pleasure. And when you buy locally raised carrots at the farmers market, and yeah. and you're spending three bucks a pound or whatever for those carrots, you're not paying for the carrots. You're paying That's for the right. six months for the six months for that guy dug in the dirt and stick his hand, got his hands dirty and yeah. and, and the sweat and, from his brow. Exactly, the sweat from his brow. Before we wrap up, I'm coming to El Thrifty for the first time. What one dish should I not miss? Justin, you want to go first? Um, I would say definitely um, the entrees we have are, are Got to pick one, though. <laughs> carne asada. It's my show. You got to pick one. <laughs> Great steak. You know, it's it's not your typical steakhouse yep. steak, which is why it's it's so special. You know, it's just a different spin. Really hits on all levels. It yep. has the heat and acid. You know, a little salty with the, with the um, two sauces. It's roasted. I mean, it's, it's really delicious. Yeah, carne asada. Okay. Robert? I, I mean, that was clear hands down for me is the tamale. Yep. Um, we Which I've had. T- t- yeah, t- typical. Well, what would you think? Before, uh, before I go on, John. Number one, it doesn't look like a tamale, right? Yep. It looks yeah, like I, creme brulee. I, and I'm going to explain that. Right? Which I, when I looked at it, I was like, 
He'd probably this guy's come back. This and, guy's freaking brilliant, yeah. right? <laughs> it, it could go one of two ways. For a production, from a from a from a back of the house purely production standpoint, right. I looked at that. and I was like, "That's flipping brilliant, dude." Yeah. That's <laughs> you know, and so, the flavors so, are brilliant. They're so, beautiful. So, so Justin and I were working in the test kitchen, and yeah. you know, it's not just about what you can bring to the table. It's like how you can get it to the table, right? And, and right. typically in Mexico, right. typically in Mexico, it's it's a holiday dish. All the women generally in the kitchen, um, you know, it's a production line. One lady unwraps the corn husk, one right. lady spreads the masa, one lady stuffs it, another lady wraps it, another lady ties it. So that's a lot of people. We don't have that. <laughs> we don't have that luxury. Yeah. But uh, tamale is near and dear to my heart, and we wanted to find a way to bring it to the table every single day. Right. And I was like, okay, can we let's try this in this situation here. And Justin looks at me like I'm crazy pretty much all the time. Yeah, sometimes he's right. But anyway, we, we cooked it and we popped it out and we're like, man, I, I think this is something that we can offer every single day, all day. So it, it's yeah. kind of, uh, I love it. The engineering of it was, yeah. was was very helpful in bringing that to the to the restaurant. Yeah, yeah I mean, as really a celebration <laughs> food in Mexico. It's a like food of the gods, you know. It's and this is a way to to have it just daily and really. You know, have, yep. have it available for everybody, and and that'll rotate the flavors. So we'll, we can stuff it with anything, um, right? With cheese with vegetarian stuff with uh, with with braised meats. Uh, it's a very versatile thing. So yep, we're lucky to have that. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool dish. Bra- bravo on that. Thank you. And it's uh, the fl- the flavor of the sauce, especially was yep. was beautiful. Justin's a sauce master. Yeah, yeah, well done, well done. All right, remind us of your hours, please, at El Thrifty. All right, this is a mouthful, people. Um, we're, we're starting out Tuesday through Thursday, Tuesday through Friday, four to midnight. Saturday, Sunday, three to midnight. Eventually, we're going to roll out coffee for, starting at eight a.m. We're using our local roaster, Methodical, of espresso drinks, breakfast burritos, uh, some pastries, and then we'll roll into our all-day menu starting at eleven. Brunch Saturdays and Sundays, ten to three. Uh, that that'll be the next piece. The brunch piece, I, I think. Are we doing that now or not? Not yet. We're, okay. Uh, we're we're gonna get dinner right. We 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 just don't want to. We want to get everything right before we start going too aggressive and fast. Yeah. So br- brunch will be next, hopefully in two or three weeks, depending on. And brunch can get pretty aggressive in this town. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And and we're you know we're looking for cooks. Did I mention we're looking for cooks? Well, yeah, you and half the, the you know, ninety percent of the restaurants in town. Of the so you're not gonna find them on the podcast. <laughs> Tell your friends. <laughs> All right. Robert Berry, Justin Serwitz, thank you so much for joining us here at the Tin Roof Farm and appreciate uh, having you all out here and, and uh, love what you're doing over there. I'm John Malik. You can follow me on Instagram at Chef John Malik. Follow my wife, Amy. She's at Tin Roof Farm. Uh, El Thrifty on Instagram is El Thrifty. El Thrifty, yep. Right? Straight away, yep. All right. Website as well. And you can follow the show on Facebook at Tin Roof Farm Radio Show. I'm John Malik, and I help make restaurants successful. Thank you all very much, gentlemen, for coming out. Thank you so much for having us, John. Thank you so much for having us out. It was a very enjoyable experience. I'd love to come back. I'd love to have you back in the restaurant. Absolutely. The Tin Roof Farm Radio Show is a production of Jack Russell Social Media. And our music is all gussied up by John Star Cluster. Thank you for listening.